Welcome to Cats by 90, a podcast dedicated to you, the Big Blue Nation, basketball, football, and the latest recruiting news. If it's Kentucky sports, then it's here on Cats by 90. Now, from SB Nation's A Sea of Blue, your hosts, Big Blue Drew and Aaron Gershon. Hello, welcome everybody. Cats by 90 podcast brought to you by SB Nation's A Sea of Blue. Big Blue Drew and Aaron Gershon here back together. It's been a couple episodes since we've kind of linked up for its entirety. So no need for a guest this week. It was, um, I'll just call it a newsy week in Kentucky <laughs> sports, um, which will hit all that stuff. But uh, how's everything going, Aaron? Uh, you know, it's been a week. It's <laughs> just a busy week and now... Lots to talk about and not much good to talk about, which is quite stunning after the week we had last week. Yeah, exactly. I know it's just which uh, we'll we'll get into it, but just the the polar opposite feelings on Wednesday from Wednesday to Wednesday, just miraculous. But um, first we can get in our feelings a little bit. So if this is the first time you've ever listened to the Cats by Ninety podcast, welcome. We appreciate you. And um, usually each episode we try to start keep it a little light, sometimes heavy, I guess, with um. One thing that pissed us off this week, one thing that made us feel good. So I will start. Um, I just very easy for the thing that pissed me off. I will go sports. I will go Kentucky sports and I will check the box. All of the above. Absolutely <laughs> hate that second year in a row now, an early November game is going to be that like gum in your hair, toilet paper on your shoe that is just going to stick with Kentucky the entire season. They could win every single game. For the rest of the basketball season, and it's still going to be, you know, a, a point of conversation. Same with football. Um, obviously not nearly as bad losing to Tennessee in football is not even comparable to Evansville in basketball, but the way that they lost, kind of the way that the season's trending, having a quarterback controversy in late November, mid November is not good. So just terrible all around. I'm pissed kind of about the, the state of everything, but. Um, something that made me feel good, and again, if you're listening for the first time, we genuinely appreciate it. Um, the Cats by 90 podcast numbers, Aaron, we've been talking, are just soaring up. So hopefully people are, you know, tuning in, listening. They clearly are. I know a lot of it's probably just the sea of blue page getting busier with both sports colliding right now. But we thank you guys. We generally do. We're trying to, um, you know, do a good job at this, provide insight when we can so awesome stuff that makes that makes me feel great that um just like we're like every week like doubling our listenership nearly which is awesome oh absolutely it really means a lot to us and i know we've definitely we've been like wow <laughs> i don't know we're, we're just glad to have listeners no matter what and glad you all are tuning in yeah you stole my thunder on the good but uh <laughs> but uh piggyback it if you want because that's a I'll, i guess awesome, i'll go on sports related and i won't get into too much detail but i've been battling the stupid stomach issue for like a week and a half now and that's been seen a doctor today and it was a nurse practitioner and she was no help so going to an actual doctor tomorrow and that hasn't been fun so that's my bad um good despite everything that's going on uh, i'm really excited to go to nashville this weekend Uh, are you you're going right yes i'm going i will be in nashville i'm even considering man i might even get your take on this offline but my family misses me. I'm gone quite a bit. You know, I was in New York mm-hmm. City, which hopefully we'll talk about a little bit too. But um, I'm thinking sure. about taking my daughter with me, just buying her a good seat where I can Do keep it. my eye on her because I'll be on the field. She really wants to go. Figure that'll give us six or so hours in the car to bond. So 
Weather's going to be nice, so I'm I'm considering doing that. I probably you know won't be able to stay for the post game stuff, but we'll call a spade a spade. Kentucky Vanderbilt's not exactly a premier <laughs> football game this Saturday. <laughs> no, it is not, but it's a big one, and you know what? They always play competitive, so it'll be fun. I think that that's a it is heck of an a idea. Game. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, it is always good. Even last year when Kentucky was ranked what number? Uh, I guess that game they hadn't lost to Georgia yet, but they'd lost to A and M, so they were. 12 or something like that and you know it was a 14-7 game so um it'll be a good one i i'm sure i, I don't think it'll be a blowout just because of how the history says it won't be but it'll be a lot of fun and i think uh, definitely have a lot of kentucky fans down there which is always great on the road yeah weather's gonna be nice too which is a huge plus because yeah, that i just can't deal with it with another bad weather <laughs> game i mean it wasn't um, it wasn't horrible i guess for tennessee but it was cold so well, we can't. Yeah, we cannot was. absolutely one hundred percent cannot start today, Thursday. Uh, what is it, November fourteenth? We cannot yeah. start um, the episode with football. Uh, we have to start with basketball. <laughs> so Aaron and I sat next to each other on Tuesday night in Rupp yeah. Arena, and something that I still, Aaron, like it's still not that I'm like totally broke up and like upset about it, like it's twenty fifteen Wisconsin or something, but it still to me just doesn't seem like it happened. No, it's stunning. I mean, who could predict that? <laughs> I said jokingly, half jokingly, say on Monday on our Big Blue Insider, what the hell, what even state is it Evansville in? And you know what? I didn't realize. I, I, sh- I mean, that's on me for not being prepared. I mean, well, look, we'll try to make, you know, some light of it. Evansville had some transfers. They had that kid. That's, did you hear during the postgame that kid, what's, the name is slipping right now, but he's a Kansas Condis. transfer. Cundiff. Cunliffe, Cundiff, yeah, yeah. Cunliffe, Cunliffe, you're right. He's played Kentucky four times because he was on that yeah. Arizona State team that Kentucky whooped back in is either the Bahamas or Maui is one of those. Yeah, about, uh, yeah, killed him. I think him. it was Bahamas. Yeah, killed him. And then he was on Kansas the year that Kentucky lost them the Champions Classic. Then last year he was on Kansas during the uh, Big 12 SEC uh, competition game, and now this year, which is nuts. So they had some dudes on that team, obviously, though. And, you know, Kentucky, not an excuse at all, but you have EJ Montgomery out, you have Dante Allen out, you have Ashton Higgins. didn't look right, uh, and it turns out he was hurt. So I'll, I'll say that before I go in and say, that, I mean, you just can't – you're Kentucky against Evansville. Evansville, you can't lose that game, uh, even if you have five guys out. You just have to find a way to win and, you know, just – Recent history, the last two years, Kentucky's had these games against the non-conference or even a weaker SEC opponent where they'd, you know, they'd start kind of slow. Um, they'd let the other team get out uh, in front by, you know, eight or so, and then they'd come back. And once, to me, the benchmark was once they came back and tied the game, they'd run away from there. Every time Kentucky came back and tied the game, Evansville just had a counter, and you have to just respect and <laughs> give them all the credit in the world. I mean, that's a historic win for them. I guess I'll start my thoughts with like what's the the real scary point to this whole situation is Evansville played like shit. They didn't even play yeah. well. Like they shot like under 40% from the field at no point where they ever just hitting miraculous shots or executing their offense or making just, you know, draw dropping plays. It was just mediocrity for the most. I won't say mediocrity. I mean, they played well. I'm, they I'm played definitely tougher. not taking anything. They were tougher. Yes. Like, they played better than Kentucky. They beat Kentucky. Kentucky didn't beat themselves. But it's just so alarming. I mean, a team that doesn't rain down a bunch of threes that they allowed that to happen. And 
before that game started, like you could have convinced me that it was going to be ugly, that Kentucky could have maybe gotten a scare, that we were going to leave with our heads scratching. But I thought with the backcourt that Kentucky has, the trio of guards, and with to me it would have been like a Nate Sestina game where he's just right. not going to allow them to lose that game. He was going to be that stability of toughness, maybe get 18 and 10, have his best game so far, and, you know, propel Kentucky to a win. None of that happened. It was like the most apathetic performance by a Kentucky team that that I've seen even in the Cal era. And, you know, there's been a lot of comparisons looking back to games that they've lost. and But nothing's been like that. And and I'm going to rant on this for a minute because I, I, it still bothers me, Aaron, and I'm, I'm anxious to get your take. But, well, let me start here. Sorry, let me start here. So I was <laughs> able to get over it relatively quickly because, man, you, it was impossible not to fall in love when you heard um Cundiff, and I, I wish I knew his name. I'll look it up because I, I want to give him his credit. But the um, the two guys that went to the podium for Evansville and then hearing Walter McCarty speak, I mean, they weren't arrogant, but they weren't shy. Like, I mean, they just perfectly executed that press conference to where, I mean, within like five minutes of hearing them and hearing Walter, I was like, you know what? I'm over it. They, you know, if anybody was going to do this to Kentucky, I'm glad it was them. And um, another thing, Aaron, what was your thoughts, too? I put this on Twitter. Like, never, other than last year, LSU, um, which was totally different because they were a ranked team, conference opponent, won last second at the buzzer. But it was, like, awkward being in the basement. So for fans that don't know, the press conferences take place. Um, it's not really, like, it's, like, on the same floor as as the court of Rupp Arena. It's kind of, like, around the corner. Well, the opposite end. Opposite end. Yeah, exactly. But it, like, has, like, a basement feel to it because it's under oh, yeah. the stand. Yeah, but well, what I'm getting at is the Evansville locker room. I mean, for the first oh. two thirds of the press conference, was the walls were shaking. They were celebrating. They were doing different chants. You could just tell when like a family member came in because it would just start all over. And you couldn't blame them. But like, did you no. find it awkward? <laughs> I think <laughs> not for me sitting there because I mean I tried to. I was trying to say to everyone else like, man, just take in a second and like obviously. Put your fandom away for a second and be like, man, this is historic. I mean, you're never, you might not see anything like this again, but at the same time, um, yeah, it definitely was a little awkward, especially when, you know, all that was going on while Calipari was at the podium. That, that definitely was a little, uh, awkward there. And, uh, you could kind of see he was, um, I guess, I, I, I want to say listening in on it. I don't think he was really bothered by it because how, you know what? It happens. It just happens to everybody. And like you said, I mean, first of all, it's November 12th. I know it's a terrible loss, but this is not a game that necessarily is going to hurt Kentucky in the long run. They can, in my opinion, they can only learn from it. And if, you know, if they don't learn from it, then, you know, this game was just telling us there are major issues with this team. But yeah, just seeing that locker room. So it was hard. It was definitely a little awkward. I think when Calipari came to the podium, but it was kind of in my book, looking back on this, kind of cool to hear all that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think again, just even in the moment I was digesting it, but even later, I mean, it was really cool because like I said, they were completely genuine and gracious at the podium. And one exactly. of my big takeaways was I think Larry Vaught asked them like, Hey, at what point during the game did you just know like, Hey, we can do this. And immediately <laughs> the answer was we knew three days ago in practice when we looked at the scouting report. And over and over, it wasn't like they were just giving coach speak like, oh, we, we knew we were the tougher team and, and we could dig deep and we really wanted this. 
it was like we executed our strategy to a T. Like we knew what we were trying to do. They kept using the word connected, but it wasn't cliche like, oh, we're all brothers. We're on a group text. It was like connected, like you move left, I'm moving right on the court. And absolutely, man, if you're going to – there's no way that Cal or any Kentucky player can be upset with the way that they celebrated because that's just straight up being a sore loser. And my biggest point, the one I was kind of holding back was the opposite of when Walter and them went up. Like I wasn't like heaved at Cal or pissed, but a lot of the stuff he said in the postgame really rubbed me the wrong way. Like do not go up there, in my opinion, and say Ashton Higgins was hurt. He shouldn't have played. When he played 30 minutes, I was on the court before the game. He was dunking. He had his hood on. He was laughing. To me, there was no indications that he was injured other than Cal saying it after the game. I mean, I'm glad he was honest about it, but at the same time, yeah. I mean, you don't – I mean, it definitely came off as him making an excuse. And I don't necessarily think he even tried to think it through that way. Um, I think he – honestly, he – the vibe I got from him is he was, like, genuinely upset about losing that game. Like, not mad, not – uh, for sure. Sad. He seems sad. It literally seemed that's the that's yeah. the vibe I got. And he was to me, he was being more transparent than he usually was. So I actually kind of enjoyed that angle of it. But yeah, I could see where your point of it possibly coming off as excuseish. But I tried to look by it, and I think at least he gave us something rather than you know. You could tell. During pregame warms, I wasn't down there, but I, I mean, I, I obviously believe you and hear that. But at the same time, he just didn't look right during the game. And I know it, part of it's just because he simply didn't play well, but he just he just did not seem right. There's just he was not playing like himself. He didn't play well. I don't know if he was slower. Obviously, that was what uh, Calipari claims, and the leg injury will make you slower, but. I don't know. And that's just, you don't need that. That That's not good news. <laughs> yeah. And to be fair, um, well, one thing, Hagen's played 24 minutes, not 30, but I mean, that's still, I, don't, I think if you're injured, Most, you're, yeah. you know, that's, uh, I don't know. Was that my, sorry, I'm like yeah, looking up was, some stats here. Let me close this. The crazy thing about that is he was getting the minutes at the end of the game and I, I thought Maxi in the second half looked really good. I mean, I'm not talking about the last play. He's a freshman, that last play of the game, whatever. But he was getting to the basket, and he was, unlike Hagens, he was making it when he was getting to the rim. And he was doing it pretty easily, just using his speed in comparison to what Evansville has. So uh, <laughs> if Hagens is super hurt, why is he on the court? Or and, I mean, go through Maxi. Yeah, and... <laughs> And also to be fair to Cal, I don't, I don't personally, I don't think he was saying the stuff about Hagen's necessarily to make an excuse. Definitely no, not man. an excuse for himself. I think it was the angle was more to take pressure off Ashton and be like, you know, not try to put the loss on him because I mean, God, I was just looking at it. Let's see. So Ashton Hagen's played 24 minutes against Evansville. He shot one from eight from the field, 0 for three from three, one for two from the free throw line. He had four rebounds and three assists and four turnovers. Like that cannot happen from um I, I called into the ESPN postgame show and, and did some stuff with him. And like I kept calling him a senior point guard. And I, I meant sophomore, but he's, you know, he might as well be a senior. You know, the experience that he has in the, you know, the caliber games that he's played in. And just he can he's just not finishing at the rim right now. And it's a big concern, man, because I, I just don't think 
you know, Kentucky can can be what they need to be without him playing well consistently because Maxie's so young and I don't think quickly is as great as he's been playing. He shot five, he played 35 minutes, shot five for 12 from the field, five for five from the free throw line. But I just, I don't know. It, it's, just, it's just concerning. God damn, he's playing. Speaking of concerning, by the way, real quick, Townsend and Florida are tied one minute, 30 seconds to go. So <laughs> ups to the work. But, <laughs> but, um, yeah, that, there's just nothing to like from that game, really. I mean, sometimes when you lose, uh, it's different when it's Evansville, but you, sometimes, I don't want to call it a moral victory, but you could taste, take something from a game and be like, all right, you know, they did this really well, uh, and they lost the game, whatever. Like, for example, Georgia-Kentucky f- football, playing in that terrible rain, they shut down Georgia's, off, uh, Georgia's offense for a whole half, and they look pretty good at times. That's, you know, that's a, that's a good thing. You take from it, you build. There's nothing from that Kentucky Evansville game you want Kentucky to build off of. Yeah, zero. I mean, nobody really played well other than I guess you could kind of argue Emmanuel quickly did, but it's concerning. And think about this too, Aaron. Like, oh my God. So Wednesday, Wednesday morning, I even say Tuesday night. So Tuesday night, um, a week ago. So November 5th on Tuesday night, I was literally strolling through Times Square eating delicious New York pizza on the high from meeting Kevin Durant, John Wall, Kentucky being the unanimous number one team in the country, enjoying a beautiful night in New York City, to it being like 14 freaking degrees, driving home, (laughs) had to be up at six for work, and I was like, I ate cereal for dinner. So it was just like, I was just like, man, sports comes at you so fast. It was just such a polar opposite within seven days. And I've made this point a few times, and I'll kind of hammer it home and we can just bury this forever. But it's real shitty to me too that like that was a perfect game, an early November game against um Evansville. It's freezing. It's like freakishly cold, record low temperatures. That is the game where people that don't normally get to go to Rupp Arena got to go. Their boss gave them tickets. Their friends gave them tickets. They got tickets cheaper than normal just because of, you know, it wasn't a great crowd. And I saw that walking out. There was so many sad faces. And you could just tell that it was the crowd that was like, dang, this was the game I got to come to, and that happened. So I felt genuinely bad um, for those people because that's just that they should not have to see a performance like that from the number one ranked team in the country. Couldn't agree more. And it, it, it was, <laughs> there's no other way to put it. It was just a crappy night all around. Uh, for Evansville, though, you know what? That, good for them. You know, they're just good for them. And, at the end of the day, we'll look back and say it's history. But you know, for Kentucky, they gotta they they gotta learn from it, not build on it. They gotta learn from it and just put it behind them. And like Cal Perry said after the what game, what are your thoughts, Aaron? Be... I've been I've been. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you. Um. So let's say that down the road or even within a few weeks or something that Evansville like was able to work their way even in the top 25. It'll probably be hard to do because I don't, I don't know who's on their schedule. I guess I could look, but, or whatever. Let's just say that they make the tournament. Um, does it change your opinion of that loss or no matter what, is it just going to be viewed as the worst thing ever? Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> it's Evansville at the end of the day at home. It's a game you pay to play. So it's not going to look good. But if they make the tournament, sure, I think it would be a little better. Uh, not better, but a little easier of a pill to swallow, I guess. And like you could live with it a little more. But, you know, you can't lose the games you pay teams to come to your building to play. 
Yeah, it sucks. And that, that was a really good question by John Hale because I didn't. I don't know which games are always pay to play if all if all these non conference games are pay to play. But he did ask yeah, Hale, most of them um, about losing his 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 first pay to play game in his ten or eleven years at Kentucky. And you know, was it just something that was bound to happen, or should it never happen? And you're right, man. Cal just looks sad at the press conference, and I don't. I'm not. I'm not upset with him. I didn't like a ton of the stuff that he said after, but man. Imagine being him too. Like I use the analogy this week with some people too. Just think about in your real job or school or whatever, how many days per month that you kind of go in and just pack it in. You know what I'm saying? You're just there to collect your paycheck and you're kind of on cruise control. And I get it. He makes 8 million bucks a year. He should never do that. I think it's fair to say he didn't have his team prepared to play. But at the same time, I mean, who saw that coming? Sucks, sucks, sucks again because it's just going to be just like the Duke game. It's going to be something like that we're always discussing for the rest of the season. And hopefully it's not something, um, you know, that defines this team and that by this time um, in March, just like last year, the team, you know, is remembered as, as a really good team, a team that could have won the national championship. And if history is any indicator, that's exactly what's going to happen. Couldn't agree more. And just got to put it behind you. And like Cal said, uh, make it the best thing that's ever happened to this team. Um, so last thing on basketball then, and we'll never speak of this again. I'm just going to wipe it away from my memory. Um, as long as we beat Utah. So Isaiah Valley. Jackson is committing. Yeah. Oh my God, dude. Utah beat them by 90. If we don't, if the cats by 90, I thought for sure we had some hope. I was really going to hype that up this week. And, um, I will not be doing that now because I do not think we're going to beat them by 90. But, nope. um, last thing on basketball though. So Isaiah Jackson, uh, five star, uh, front court commitment, a really important commitment for the University of Kentucky. So he did announce that he will be, um, committing Saturday. So not tomorrow, but the next day. One of the quietest recruitments for a five star like ever. I've been asking around. I saw Evan Daniels went on Kentucky roll call this week. Um, it, just one of the, nothing's coming out, man. So he's choosing between Alabama, Kentucky and Syracuse. Pretty much the consensus that it's between Alabama and Kentucky and all the recruiting experts, Aaron, that I've even seen um, list any type of projection or prediction. It's been like 55-45 Kentucky. So it's crazy, man. I, I just wrote a pre-write about it. I have no idea what he's going to do. But, I mean, Kentucky needs this guy. Yeah, they need front court help. And, um, you know, Calipari, if he's smart, is making a last push right now because – just simply, I mean, look, at it's been a liability already in three games, and I know it's three games and Montgomery's hurt, but if the preseason's an indicator of anything, it's Montgomery is not to be trusted right now, and he could be back next year kind of having a Nick-like season. But, yeah, and then they don't have anyone signed for the or signed or committed for the front court, right? Is Ware's, Ware's like 6'7"? Lance, Lance so Ware, front- yeah. No, I think he's a little taller than I. I mean, I would consider him, but he's, you know, I think he's a little bit more of a project. I don't know that he's going to come in. And the only person you could say next year, I mean, Nick Richards is is showing signs of improvement. You know, Nick could very well come back for a senior season, which would be kind of crazy, like Alex Poitier. So, the only real example that I can kind of think of, but, you know, and he could be better. But, and I feel like Keon Brooks has just got tremendous potential. But if he starts showing that potential, he's going to be gone. Um, so I don't know. It's just interesting. I think that, you know, if they don't get Isaiah Jackson and he does go to Alabama, they're going to really, really have to focus in on Greg Brown and try to get him. But seems like a good fit. You already said it, you know, they should be putting the full court press on him, which I I can only assume that they are. 
Um, I know he reportedly had, I think he had a visit. It went well, like they always say, um, in like mid-September. But it'll be interesting to see. Nate Oates, first-year coach at Alabama, if he can kind of get, you know, what would be a centerpiece for his class next year. Um, but we'll know on Saturday. And if Kentucky doesn't get him, it's going to definitely be um, an even bigger point of emphasis rounding out this 2020 class to get some front court guys. But we'll see how it goes. And um, we'll definitely probably talk about that one next week. That's All right. right. Well, now it's um, football time. So we got a big football game this weekend. But before we talk some um, some pigskin, let's take a, a quick commercial break here, get some sponsor plugs in. All right. And we are back. Cats by 90 podcast brought to you by SB Nations of Sea of Blue. Big Blue Drew and Aaron Gershon. And um, I'll let you kick it off, Aaron. You're the football guy. I know you've been doing um, you're at football on Tuesday, probably doing more stuff throughout the week. Um, what are your I know it's a big game, but kind of what are your thoughts yeah. and um, how do the, the cats match up with the doors? Yeah, I think they match up. Obviously, the, Kentucky's a better team. There's no doubt about that. Um, really, the only concern with Vanderbilt is their running back. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn is he's really one of the best players in the country uh, quietly and playing for Vanderbilt. He doesn't get the attention that a DeAndre Swift at Georgia gets. But Vaughn, man, he's. He's a dude. He's eight sixteen, eight eighteen rushing yards, six touchdowns that way, and then you know he can catch it. He could be effective through the passing game too, almost as equally effective. So he's going to be the guy that Vanderbilt runs their offense through. Um, so you got to be careful with him and not let him beat you. But other than that, I mean, their defense has really been horrid this year. Vanderbilt has. Um, they've been able to put up points though, like I just said. I mean, LSU outside of Outside of Alabama, no one scored more in LSU this season than Vanderbilt. So, you know, it's the SEC. You can't overlook anybody. But this is also a Vanderbilt team that lost to UNLV at home by 24. So Vanderbilt's got a lot lot of issues. Um, But, you know, as we were saying off air, really, uh, they're going to come in ready for this game. It's They always put up a fight against Kentucky. Last year, Kentucky was one of the better teams in the entire country, and they barely escaped Vanderbilt at home in Lexington. It was only 14-7. So, really, uh, Kentucky's got to bring it. Um, they're obviously, on paper, the much better team on both sides of the ball. Even if Lynn is playing quarterback and they're running, 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 uh, they have enough to wear them out, but they can't overlook them. Yeah, I mean, I keep kind of going back to the fact that – I mean, Vanderbilt sucks. So let's just say it, but they beat they beat Missouri at home. You know what I mean? So yes, they and did. the way it's, I hate to use the phrase, but Kentucky football, you know, would it surprise anybody, especially with um history looking back that you know Vanderbilt's probably going to at least play them tough. What's Kentucky like a nine point favorite? I believe <laughs> so. Double check on that real quick. But uh, yeah, no, there's no doubt Kentucky's a better team on paper. I mean, that's indisputable, but. Vanderbilt's going to bring their best, there's no doubt. And, you know, Kentucky, there's pressure on this Kentucky team because, you know, next week, even if you try to lose, you're probably going to beat UT Martin FCS school. And then Louisville has had a really good season. And Louisville is one win away from, you know, going from uh, 2-10 and 10 to getting into a bowl game with the first year of the Satterfield era. So, you know, they have a lot to play for. And they're going to, trust me, they were embarrassed last year of how things went on their home turf and they're going to want to return the favor and you know they'll have plenty of fans there of their own when they come to Kentucky at the end of the month so 
And, you know, that's not going to be, that's definitely not, that's the hardest game by far of the three left. So if you lose this game, you're really in danger of losing bowl eligibility. So the pressure is on Kentucky. Vanderbilt is coming in with house money. They have nothing to, nothing to, um, really play for. You know, they're already two and seven, so they're out of bowl contention. They're just trying to play spoiler. Um, they're just trying to protect their home field and that can be dangerous. And they also, one other thing, yeah, so can- you know, one other thing on Vanderbilt, Derek Mason, you would pretty much, he's a guy who's probably at this point, um, on the hot seat, despite, you know, it's Vanderbilt. It's not really his fault, but <laughs> for his players, you know, they, they know he's on the hot seat and they're going to be playing for him and playing for his job. Cause he is a, from everything I've heard, he's a very well-liked guy. So his, his team's going to come out and play for him. Yeah, that is a really good point. Um, so Kentucky's a 10 point favorite, which to me, that's, yeah. I thought it was like eight actually. So to me being 10s, even that's a pretty considerable on the road. That's too. like another score. So, um, that's a t- I, I mean, mean, on the road, like that's that. a two touchdown. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Good point. So I like that. I mean, that's all going in Kentucky's favor. Um, so now the, the obvious question that we've literally freaking talked about every week since Florida. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on the quarterback situation? Because I ask you this every week. You've been in the camp every time that you don't think Sawyer is going to play much. It's, you've been pretty it's much spot yeah. on right each time. But the same things thing. are a little bit different now, man. So um, before you give your your thoughts, actually, let me see something because um, I got back on the Cats by 90 poll. So if you're not following us, please give us a follow at Cats by 90 on Twitter. Um, I did run the poll this week. Uh, it was pretty straightforward. Let's see if I can get to it. Yeah, it was uh, what they should do at quarterback, right? I basically just asked, do you – yeah, exactly. Just do you think Sawyer Smith should play? The three choices were, um, yes, start him, yes, mix him in, and no, ride with Lynn. Um, I think it was like 65% of the people said, yes, mix him in. About 20% of the people said, yes, start him, and just a small portion said, no, ride with Lynn. And I'm pretty sure if we asked that you know question a, a couple weeks ago – that it would have absolutely been – everybody would have been ride with Lynn. 68% mix them in, 24% stardom, 7% only um, wanted to ride with Lynn exclusively. So what are your thoughts this week, Aaron? You've been at this stuff all week. Does, does Sawyer play considerable minutes? When do those minutes come? Okay. What do you think? Yeah, I I think he, they probably should mix them in and get him to throw a few, but no, I'm under the impression they're riding Lynn. And the way Stoops has answered questions you know, at this pre- this week and saying – you know, this is the situation we're at at quarterback and, you know, we're one to, and he's still calling the team one dimensional to me means, uh, I, I just, th- I think Sawyer must not be healthy. I think it's simple as that. I don't think Sawyer's where they need him to be. Um, I don't think he's nearly the guy he was, you know, in that Florida game or before that Florida game. He's just not himself right now. And Kentucky feels like Lynn gives him the best chance to win. And you know what? They easily could be three and one with the, the Lynn offense. They really could be. I mean, they beat Arkansas. They crushed Missouri. And, you know, the Georgia game was almost impossible. But they, Tennessee, you know, a couple plays, you know, a couple <laughs> offense, you get a couple more yards and defense, you win one of those three jump balls. You're looking at a totally different, uh, you're looking to clinch a bowl game this weekend. So it's just, I don't see them really doing much different these next two games, really. You know, the one thing with, I know I talked to Louisville and they are going to be a tough game and they are a good team, but 
they have they've just had a bad um they have not had a good year defensively. They've been really good offensively. So Kentucky doesn't really play another great defense the rest of the way. So they might even feel that they could get away with a little more. So there's a lot of different ways you could look at it. Um, I think that mixing them in would be wise, but if Sawyer's not healthy, well, Lynn's your best option. So you don't think there's any um, like validity to the fact that maybe Mark Stoops is just still throwing up a smoke screen with them being one-dimensional and his plans are potentially to give Lynn a couple drives and if it looks if it looks bad to mix Sawyer in? Yeah, I don't I th- I think he wouldn't I I just don't think at this point in time he would do that to Lynn mid game unless it's like, you know, you're getting your butts kicked or it's really bad. I think he's going to stick with whatever the original st- decision is. I mean, he's pretty much made it clear uh, really the last couple of years except for the Missouri game last year when he put Gunnar Hoke in for a few series that he's going to stick with whoever he named starter. He doesn't really want to mess with the psyche of those guys, and I think I just don't see him doing that to Lynn if uh, he starts him originally, which he's going to do. Obviously, oh, I don't. Man, that, I don't see any case. That's kind of, of a different take. And I've literally been wrong every single week about this. FYI <laughs> to the listeners, Aaron, Aaron's got boots on the ground at practice in the press conference, so he would know it's a lot better a than me. But I would think that if it comes out and looks. If it looks stagnant in the first few drives, especially if Kentucky's like down or something in the first quarter, first half, that you might see him. But the definite caveat will be he has to be healthy. And you're probably right. I mean, I assume he's not because I just can't imagine him getting any no run um, over the last few games. But that being said, Kentucky moved the ball well on Saturday. They got across midfield, like I think like seven of nine of their last drives. They just couldn't put it away. And another thing that I think is really like tainting this whole situation, Aaron, is the last play of the Tennessee game. Because, yeah. again, they move the ball well. If they punch that in, if they find a way to punch that in, I mean, obviously they would have won the game, which changes things. But just the way that that ended with just like an ugly, bad taste in your mouth, like what are we doing on offense play to, um, on, you know, to end the game on downs, I think is kind of um, skewing the situation because they, they did have some positive trajectory for the most part, all day Saturday, they just couldn't finish. Yeah, that, it's just one of those typical Tennessee Kentucky games, right? That it just it, Tennessee found a way, and you got to give credit to Tennessee um, for making some adjustments against the Kentucky's offense. Because first of all, Kentucky wore them out that very first drive. I mean, they had the ball for over ten minutes and went down and scored. Um, a really long drive that wiped them out, and Tennessee started to load the box, and they stuffed the run. And give them credit. And at you know what they the last drive, Kentucky got down the field, and they just couldn't punch it in. And I think there were a lot of different things that went into that. I think Tennessee deserves credit, and Kentucky deserves criticism. But I think Tennessee's defense was by far other. I think Tennessee really behind Georgia, and maybe Florida. They're probably the best defense Kentucky's played this year. And that's going to make life really difficult. I mean, and then look at the score. Kentucky held Tennessee to 17. You should be able to win a game like that. But I think the way they match up these next three opponents, I think with Lynn at quarterback, they'll be fine. They're just going to have to – they might have to win the shootouts, which really is good for them because their defense has been good all year. So 
I mean, you know, not to sound overly optimistic, but I think they'll win out. I think they should win out, but they just got to think they're better than Louisville. Yeah, I think they're better than Louisville because I think if it gets into a shootout, Kentucky's defense can handle it where Louisville's can't. Louisville's still like Kentucky's young on defense, but Louisville's a different type of young on defense. Um, and Kentucky's defense, they've been awesome this year. They really have. So, yeah, I think they're better than Louisville. Offense, I think they're quite even, but Kentucky's the better team in the trenches. And they'll be able to stuff, stump, uh, stuff some stuff out that Louisville can't. So I think just looking at matchups, you know, they should be fine with Lynn. I think to answer your question, I mean, if Lynn, if they really can't move the ball, yeah, maybe you try Sawyer, but I just feel like if Sawyer was healthy, he'd be the starter for weeks at this point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's that's fair to say. I don't know if I like the idea of a shootout, though, man. Kentucky, so Kentucky hasn't scored 30 points. They've only done it twice this season. They scored 38 twice in the opening two games, Toledo and Eastern Michigan. Um, They did put up 29 against Missouri, so it's kind of – it's kind of like I was saying about the Champions Classic basketball game. Like nothing's really going to surprise me on Saturday. I guess if Vanderbilt like dominated um, Kentucky, I'd be surprised. But I, I mean, I won't be surprised if it's an ugly game and potentially if they even drop no. it. But this is the pressure game. They have to win. They win this game. You got a, a you know, a mulligan pretty much the following oh, yeah. week. You get you win this game, you're going bowling. Yep. Right, and we but we said you know since the beginning of this season that. It's tough because six wins with this schedule, the way that it's set up, is garbage. It's not a normal, you know, past five years looking at Kentucky. Hey, we're six yeah. wins, we're ball eligible, and we're we're celebrating. I mean, it would be a major disappointment to only win six, but you know, they still have the chance to win eight, right? Well, you gotta, you no. got, yeah, with the bowl, yeah, seven, uh, eight. seven, eight with the bowl. But you know what? With the cards they've been dealt <laughs> this year. Being on their playing a wide receiver at quarterback, um, losing your starter, and then obviously, you know, this year wasn't supposed to be another ten win years. You know, the optimist with a Terry Wilson, well, well, Terry Wilson was you know probably seven to eight wins. So if you can get to a bowl game, and this would only be the second time in team history or in school history that they've reached a bowl game four years in a row, and if they do it this year with all the challenges they've had to overcome i think it's a successful season and then you look ahead to next year and you know i'm not sold that terry wilson's going to be the same guy we saw last year or the first two games of this season before he got hit but you know you have a healthy quarterback you know you have most of your offensive line will still be intact you lose stenberg and i want to say that's it from the offensive line that you're going to lose so you're going to have most of your offensive line intact um, your defense next year, first of all, you're going to have some of the guys who are back, especially in the secondary, having a year under their belt, which is huge. You'll have a healthy Devontae Robinson. You'll have this Joseph kid from LSU coming in. You'll have Xavier Peters hopefully ready to start at that point. It's going to be a scary good defense. So I think if you can just get to six this year, that's a damn good season. And then you look into next year and you're probably – thinking we can get to 10 wins again and compete with Georgia for the East. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good breakdown. I think that's definitely fair. You know, when you take into consideration all the, all the BS they've kind of had to deal with the crazy weather, exactly. even like these nuts weather games, but um, so you kind right. of uh, had a good transition there talking about just kind of the lineup for next season. 
So I did ask on the Cats by 90 page if anybody had any questions or topics. Um, shout out to Sean Chandler. He did ask, um, have you heard anything? Um, so Joey Gatewood did visit over the weekend. Yeah. Have you heard anything about that, Aaron? Do you think it, you know, possible he's going to be coming to Kentucky or what? Uh, I haven't too much. I was talking a little bit with Travis at uh, Cats Illustrator, a buddy over there. Um, he, he's pretty optimistic about it. Obviously, nothing concrete or anything. But as of now, I'm pretty sure Kentucky's the only school he's taken a visit to. Um, so he obviously probably is going to, I would think he's going to take his time with this because you don't want to be the kid that transfers three times. But um, I really think if you get him, you know, he's a six five guy. He could be someone where you use him a little creatively, especially if Terry, you know, you would think Terry's your starter no matter what next year. So a lot of interesting stuff. I would say right now, Kentucky's got to be the favorite just based on the visit and all that. But we'll see. I mean, I, I personally think he'd be a really, really good ad. Um, I think it also makes things really interesting because remember, he's a young kid. What is what are guys like um, Amani Gilmore and Bo Allen and Nick Scalzo? Yeah, Scalzo. Think of that. So watch them possibly throw their name in the transfer portal. So it would definitely have a domino effect, but Gatewood you would take over. No, no, not Nothing against those guys, but you would take Gatewood and his upside over any of them. Dude, if we're sitting here next year, if, it, if a year from now on the Cats by 90 podcast, if we're on here talking about having too many quarterbacks, I want to be pissed. Well, that's <laughs> true. That's a year true. of the exact opposite. Well, you know, what's wild about Gatewood, if they get Gatewood, think about it. I mean, Justin Rogers was a huge ad, and, you know, he's a great player. This is the number one athlete in the nation from his recruiting class. Number one. Dude, I just and looked you, at some pictures of him. The dude is stout, oh man. He God. looks like if a they big get, time football I mean, player. It would be, yeah, it would be. It really would. It would be a historic get, and they, we keep saying that, but it's true. And that's that's why uh, for all the fans who you know scream fire soups after a bad game like that, uh, shut it because these are the guys, him and his big guy, Vince Morrow, bring to town. Yeah, it'd be sweet to get him or whatever. I guess I'd rather I'll take it back. I'd rather have too many options and completely no options like this year. Um, <laughs> we can kind of wrap it up. Breaking news right now on the Cats by 90 podcast, even though I say this every time, and I'm pretty sure you can't break news on a podcast because everyone's listening on delay. But anyway, Carmelo Anthony is yeah. officially back in the NBA with the yeah. Trailblazers. I'm not a big Carmelo fan, but I'm not going to hate on him for getting back in the league. I'm a Knicks fan, and I enjoyed my time, his time with the Knicks until it got ugly. So happy for him to get another shot. I think it'll be um, – well, hold on real quick. This is an uh, – the great Twitter machine found a tweet from Damian Lillard back in July saying, we don't have money, but Melo should be playing. So pretty much calling out that he would ever sign them. So uh <laughs> guess he was uh, – guess he uh, – got the money they needed or whatever i think that's a funny tweet uh interesting yeah. but mellow i think that's nope. a cool fit why not that's a mccullum and lillard they're always kind of they i mean they were in the championship series last year portland so yeah why yeah. not that, the nba this year has been so much more fun because so many different teams have a chance to win so um i think now that that's the case of the nba that's an exciting move whereas last year if he had signed with the blazer to be like all right so what the warriors are still going to win 
Yeah, and what else is new? Every time we record the Cats by 90 podcast, Tyler Hero is absolutely shredding tonight. He has like 14 oh points God. on like four shots, and Bam's yeah, killing he, too. So, yeah, I agree. I'm, I've been following the, the NBA more closer stuffed. this year than years past. Yeah, he stuffed um, Colin Sexton in that game too. Absolutely stuffed him at the rim. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice, I mean, nice. when half your half the guys you cover are playing in the NBA, it's hard not to watch. Very true, very true. All right, Big Blue Nation, we appreciate everybody that tuned in. Um, hopefully next week we are celebrating. Um, I guess we'll have a – surely to God we beat Utah Valley in basketball. Hopefully Kentucky <laughs> is on their way to bowl eligibility by getting this fifth win. Um, but a, a tough week. We will shake it off. We will um, – it will be unavoidable, but we'll try to mention Evansville as little as possible between now in the end of the season. Um, Aaron, I guess um, have a good uh, Thursday night and Friday, my brother, and I will see you in Nashville on Saturday. Yes, sir. I will see you in Nashville. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow Cats by 90 on Twitter at Cats by 90. You can also follow Aaron and Drew at agershon 99 and at BigBlueDrew33. And remember, no matter the opponent, It's always Cats by 90.